Welcome to Go Beyond with Mama Mac, helping you to hit a home run in life when you feel like striking out. Alrighty then, yes, hit that home run, gang. This is Mama Mac right here live in the studio here in Clearwater, Florida. And with me is my co-host, Dr. Angel Falzoni. How are you, doctor? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Are you pumped up for this show tonight? Oh, I am really excited for the show tonight. I am too. We've got something different on tap tonight. And I mean, we've only had, what, six months of shows now, but uh, this one's going to be different than anything we've done so far. Yes, Pretty it is. exciting, isn't it? Always exciting. Oh, it is. It is. And welcome to the all the listeners on the Starcom Media Network across the United States and in other countries. We are so happy to be syndicated on the show now. And that happened in January, and that is exciting. So welcome, all you new listeners. You can contact us by texting us anytime, 727-888-4171. Write that down somewhere because you may want to comment during this show if it's live which is 6 p.m eastern on uh, thursday nights and on starcom you guys all listen to it at five o'clock eastern time a week later so you uh necessarily can't we'll have to text and not call in if you're listening on starcom media if you're listening live right now on tantalk1340.com that is great you can get involved in the show and we want them to be involved in the show don't we doctor oh yes we do because we have some interesting things to talk about tonight so write down this phone number if you'd like to call in and put your two cents in or ask a question 727-441-3000 727-441-3000 engineer chris is in there doing a great job on the board he will answer the phone and tell us who you are and if you'd like to just text it comes straight to my phone right here 727-888-4171 this show dr angel is all about people's questions that they've been asking us we have been receiving a lot of questions, and they come in all kinds of random formats, emails, text messages, notes under my door, and <laughs> it's great. I'm really excited, because now we're going to get to really talk about what what people want to hear about and what they want to hear answered. Oh, and we have so many, and we're just going to tackle a few tonight, and maybe we'll go on with this next week. Maybe we won't. We'll see, but... but we want to make this a regular part of the show from time to time because a lot of people are kind of, um, I don't know if the word is scared, but just nervous about calling in during the show. And so what we're finding is they're emailing or they're dropping notes. Or text messages. <laughs> text. And so, but we're, they're great questions. They're great questions. So let's just kick right off. Here we go. Question number one. Doctor, what are some tips on how to approach a difficult subject with your significant other? This person, Elizabeth from Tampa, says this. I tried talking while we were driving on a long trip, and he stated that he felt trapped. Whoa. Big question. Good question, too. Very good question. I like that question. And, well, I can understand feeling trapped, especially if the other person wasn't prepared for a difficult subject discussion. All right. Um, And so... When you're in the car, there's no way of getting out, and maybe unless you're going to drive, you know, <laughs> jump out the window or something, right? And maybe he wasn't prepared for the subject to happen. So right. when we have difficult conversations, maybe a difficult subject, maybe something that just maybe emotional, mm-hmm. um, hurtful, whatever, hurtful. Yeah. It's better practice to set time up with that other person. Let them know, I would like to talk to you about kind of what the subject matter is. And then set a time to talk about it when you both can be prepared. Because she may have had all her ducks together and knew exactly what she wanted to say. But, you know, in an essence, he was blindsided. Right. Probably didn't know this was coming on this trip to wherever and wasn't prepared. And so it's fair to help the other person prepared. And probably she had already rehearsed in her mind how she was going to say, because we all do this. Yes, we do. And, you know, rehearsed in her mind how she was going to approach this delicate subject, whatever it was. And we don't even need to know what it is. This is a good general concept to learn how to deal with communication skills, don't you think? Very good communication skill. And so anytime there's a difficult subject or 
and it doesn't even have to be a conflict because we did talk about this on our conflict show. But this could just be something that might be emotional evoking or maybe a sensitive topic. Set the time up with the other person. Let them know about what the topic you want to talk about so the other one can prepare, too. Okay, that's a great answer. I like that answer, and I hope Elizabeth from Tampa heard that. And uh, if not, maybe she'll catch it on a on a show on our website. And by the way, let me throw that in. Now our webmaster has all the up through February. This is the first show of March, so it'll go on the podcast on Tantalk1340.com. You can hear it after this show sometime tomorrow and it'll stay there till the end of the month and then our webmaster moves them all to our goyard2014.org website so if you've missed any of them from the middle of september through february go to goyard2014.org and they're all there very easy to access just click on it and there's the show all right dr angel are you ready for question number two bring it on how do you navigate when you have different parenting styles from your spouse and this person kate in vermont wrote this to us my husband believes in letting life teach its lessons i'm more of a helicopter parent and i want you to define that for our audience in a moment he states that i am setting our son to be a mama's boy setting him up to be a mama's boy and i say he is setting up our son to be an addict Whoa, this is really interfering with our marriage. And those are some strong accusations, Dr. Angel. Ooh, yeah, this question is multifaceted. So Good let's question, back Kate. it up. So yeah. what we have is the difference of two parenting styles. And the, you know, the letting life teach its lessons is kind of um, stepping back and kind of letting natural consequences happen. Um, and right. So it's not as, a, as an active form of parenting. The helicopter parent is one that is always involved, always there, you know, right there at all the time, everywhere that the kid needs you. Kind of controlling or just always present? Not so much controlling. They don't have to be controlling, but always a presence. Okay. Um, You know, if the kid forgets their lunch, the helicopter parent's right there bringing the lunch and bringing the homework and, you know, driving to the friend's house and very involved. Very involved. So we have this passive parenting role and this very involved parenting role. Is there a detriment to children when a per- one of the parents is a helicopter parent, just just in general? Um, is well, that a hard question to answer? That is a really hard general yeah, question to answer. Yeah, personalities become involved. And, and it depends on, on the age of the kid and to what extent mm-hmm. we're helicoptering. And Right. But what I really see here is not the problem with the difference of parenting styles. Okay. It's okay to have different parenting styles. What I see is the lack of communication here. Ah, okay. This is probably what's interfering with our marriage because the child, I'm sure, is knows which one to ask to get permission to do something. They go Kids the permission one. Kids kind of learn that, don't they, at a very young age. Well, if mom says no, that's all right. I still got dad in my back pocket. I'll exactly. run to him. Or the other way around. And so one of the problems is is the kid is able to divide and conquer. So right. he knows who to go to for what. So if the kid forgets his lunch, he knows to call mom, who's a helicopter and is going to bring it. And where dad would be like, yeah, you can just not have lunch today because you should have been responsible. Right. But if the kid wants to go do something crazy, he's going to ask dad as where dad is a little less, um, you know, his role is a little different. So one of the problems is our lack of communication. So we need to set some ground rules. And one ground rule is not allowing the kid to go against you and put you against each other's sides. Boy, kids know that they know that from an early age. I mean, I'm a mother and grandmother, and I tell you, they learn that young, how to manipulate a situation with one parent against the other. And they become pretty good at it, doctor. They can become so good at it that it can actually destroy marriages. It it can. Yeah, pitting one parent against the other. So your advice to Kate in Vermont on what to deal with, how to deal with this? Well, this is more complicated than our first question. And one of the things is you need to be communicating with your spouse. Having the different parenting styles is a balance. One's one extreme, one's the other extreme. So together you will have a more balanced approach. Right. Um, and learning that major decisions, we're going to talk about it before we give our kid an answer. Right. Um, maybe we can set certain parameters where this and this and this is okay without, you know, consulting with each other, but that you're consulting with each other before 
giving the child permission or not permission. You know, that is huge because a lot of times I think kids are able to trap parents in a mess when they run to one and, and they're maybe the, let's say the mother's got 19 things going at once. She's on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fine. Go ask your dad or whatever. And then it just escalates, doesn't it? Because there's no time taken in that decision. That's what I hear you saying. Correct. And we need to take time. So we, we need, need to, to teach our kids to give us time to make decisions. Right. We shouldn't have to make all of our decisions on the fly. So, the, you know, one of the rules I have with my kids is that you can't ask for permission in front of your friend. Oh, I like that. That is excellent. Write that down, audience. Yeah, that gives you a lot of pressure. In front of the friend. Can can Johnny stay all night? And Johnny's standing right there with his backpack and his bedroll, right? Exactly. (laughs) And that you can can take the time to talk to your spouse and decide this together or consult with each other together. Right. And so that's learning to come together as a unit. And, you know, this couple's kind of awfulize these extreme. You're going to make them be a mama's boy and you're going to make them be an addict. And these are these drastic drastic things. Yeah. The truth is, if you you do this well, he'll be a very well-rounded child because he'll have learned through life's mistakes and he'll learn, you know, to have the nurturing side of the helicopter parent. And that's okay. So I like that. If the married couple can come together and communicate. So don't rush into these decisions that you know are going to cause a family problem here. No, and it's okay to, you know, depending on the age of the kid, but give make the child tell you a day in advance if they're wanting to do a sleepover, make them learn to plan some of these things so that you right. have time to think about it and it's not always on the fly, you know, it's you know, six o'clock at night and Johnny's over and you want him to stay the night that night, well, maybe that doesn't work. Yeah, it really puts the parents in a bad situation. How do you tell little Johnny to go home? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so communication. I heard you saying communicate, uh, parents communicate, and don't accuse each other. Don't accuse each other. And learn that you both have great strengths in your parenting style. Right. So there's not one right and one wrong parenting style. Right. There. You have parenting styles and you can identify what they are. And that's okay. So let's use the strengths of them and communicate and consult. Consult and, and communicate. come as united front. Yep, exactly. I like that. I really do. Okay, that's excellent. And uh, we want to know if you would like to uh, respond to any of this. And if you have a comment or a question on any of these questions and want to get involved, um, that's fine. We we want to hear from you. So you can text us, 727-888-4171, or you can call in during the show on any of these topics we're talking about tonight. This is not just a one-topic show, is it? No, it is not. This is multiple topics. Multiple topics. And our number here in the station is 727-441-3000. Okay, here we go. Question number three comes from West Virginia. This person's name is Beck. All right. And here's the question. I like to have a few drinks daily around 7 in the evening. I don't do it because I'm depressed. I just enjoy being a little tipsy in the evening. I don't drink during the daytime, and all my work gets done. So how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? Big question. Wow. Good question. Big question. Wow. Definitely. Well, one of the things I'm going to ask is, are you drinking every day? How often are you drinking? How much are you drinking? Is it a glass of wine at 7? Is it... Three shots of vodka at seven. Right. There's a difference. Yes. Um, You know, they're saying they want to, they like feeling tipsy. So I'm going to assume it's multiple glasses of wine or multiple drinks. So if we're doing it daily, it's becoming a problem. And some self checks that you can do is can you quit? Can you stop? Can you go a week without doing it and be okay and not feel antsy and upset or like the world driven? Yes. Can you go a month without doing it? Right. Do you think about it when you're not doing it? Mm-hmm. Are you planning what you're going to drink that night? These are some signs that maybe you're having a problem or developing a problem. And the person that asked this question is seems like they're on the fence. So if we're asking the question, maybe they're starting to feel maybe like... Maybe somebody has said to this person, I don't know if this is a male or female, but maybe somebody has said to this person, hey, you know, I think you're an alcoholic and it's gotten them to think, maybe. And, and maybe. thinking is good because right. we can process this. And one of the ways to process this is... Do you find yourself wanting to drink when your day's really good or really bad? Mm-hmm. Um, and the feeling of tipsy usually is a feeling of escape. It is, yeah. 
And so what are you escaping from? Because there's a difference between, you know, having that glass of wine to relax after a hard day of work and having four shots of vodka. Right. And so exactly some self-reflection. Maybe do you look forward to it all day and you just can't wait to get home and, you know, uncork the bottle or whatever it is. I mean, it sounds like this person has some control if they're not doing it during the day and they're getting their work done. But just because you can function doesn't mean you don't have a problem. There's a lot of functional alcoholics out there. Absolutely. Functional alcoholics, functional drug, drug addicts. addicts. Yes. I mean, there's doctors and absolutely completely addicted to substances and they function. Right. And so functionality is not the only um, yeah. test. So your your advice to this person is do some self-reflection. Can you stop? Can you go a week? Can you whatever? Do, are you feeling driven? Those kinds of things, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So give yourself the self-test. And, and if you can't, then you're you're developing or have a problem with the substance and you might need to get some help or you might need, you know, counseling. You might need just a, an accountability person. Um, depending on the level of what you're feeling. Doctor, you are just great at this, you know, answering all these. We're just throwing all kinds of stuff at you. Dr. Angel Falzoni is a Ph.D. and a licensed mental health counselor and works full time in the mental health field and has several therapists that work with you. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's hard to believe as young as you are, but you have three teenage sons and you're an accomplished person, but you're a person that's wise. And I, I find doctor, and I've known you for a few years now, you're practical. You don't go off the deep end on one area or the other and be extreme. You know, I, I, I find you being very balanced. I like that. Well, thank you. And I think that's what we strive for here on this show is to show all sides of an issue and not be real judgmental or that type of thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We want people to be open to ask their questions. We are approachable. All right. So you can text us 727-888-4171 with any questions during the show. Question number four. Here it's coming your way, Dr. Angel. Woo, this one's very interesting. This one comes from a gentleman in Illinois. His name is Robert. I live with someone who has mental illness, he says. I feel that sometimes this illness is used to purposely make mistakes. How do I address this situation? And how do I know if it is really the mental illness or if it's a manipulative thing? It's a great question. It really is a very deep and important question. And a lot of people struggle with this. There is a lot of struggle. Um, yeah. In this question, we have a lot of unknowns. Okay. And so we don't know what the mental illness is. And so that makes a lot of variables here. Right. So I'm going to try and give a very general answer without knowing the details that we kind of need to know. So I would suggest to Robert that you look up the mental illness and find out what are some of the key components and the behaviors that are surrounded. Is this a depression and they're just using the depression to never get out of bed? Do they... Do they need to take medicines that they're not taking and then they're making poor choices and then, oh, it's because I have, you know, depression or anxiety or manic episodes or whatever that mental illness is. Um, and so self-educating is really great and important. Okay. And the National Institute of Mental Health has a great website. They have very readable brochures on a variety of mental health issues. National Association of Mental Health. National Institute of Mental Health. It's a government website. Okay. And they you can download. So it's .gov? I think so. And you can download these brochures on PDF format, so they're free. Okay. And they're great information to help you understand different illnesses. That's great. And you can, and they're, and they're categorized by the mental illness. If there's bipolar, depression, there's depression in women, there's, you know, adolescent depression, ADHD, and there's a, a variety of mental illnesses that can help you educate yourself to what you're living with. Right. Because that's the unknown. We don't know what this mental illness is. But what I see in this question is it seems like there's a lot of manipulation coming from the person who's mentally ill towards Robert. Do you hear that it in this question? It sounds like, yes, yeah. that, that, uh, that the person is using their mental illness yeah. as a crutch. Right, a crutch. For whatever the behaviors are that's happening. Right. And so that's where I ask, does a person take meds? Are they compliant with their meds? Are they, you know, getting ongoing, you know, psychiatric treatment for their mental illness or counseling for their mental illness? And if they're not, then... 
that would be a good suggestion to kind of help support the person with the right. mental illness. Well, for some reason, he thinks they have a mental illness. So I assume there's been a diagnosis. So that will help him if he goes to that website. Absolutely. And just because someone has a diagnosis doesn't mean that they're compliant with any of the things that they need to be compliant. You with. want to explain that further? Well, a lot of people may need to take a medication. Right. Because they're chemical and mental illnesses. Chemical and imbalance. Yeah. Some things mm-hmm. that are more on the behavioral track and that you might need ongoing therapy to gain your skills and coping tools. Um, and so if they're not using those, well, then the mental illness is going to present more sh- strong and with more symptoms. Yeah. And so maybe this person has a little manipulation going, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe some good communication. I don't know the extent of this relationship, if it's a marriage. Yeah, or, we don't even know from this. So, and if it is, if this yeah. is like an intimate relationship, going to the to the mental health together. Right. Good idea. Go and because so often... Yeah, it's you been, can paint the full picture <laughs> of what's actually happening. Right. And then, you know, sometimes the whole story doesn't get told. And we want you to be involved tonight if you want to. You certainly can. And, you know, this show, because we have had so many write in questions now, that's why we are doing this type of show tonight, doctor. And I think this is a great idea for people, especially if they're hesitant to call in. You know, go ahead and shoot us an email, goyard2014 at gmail.com. That's our email, goyard2014. And the way to remember that is 2014 is last year when we started the show in September. So goyard2014 at gmail. And uh, send us, a, you don't even have to tell us your name. You can even use a, a, an anonymous name or a different name or whatever. It just... Um, helps us be able to refer to that person as we're talking with a question if there's some name there. So anyway, and we're going to talk more. We've got some really good things coming up next, doctor. I'm going to warn our audience. We're getting ready to have a question involving in-law behavior. And I think most of us have had in-laws at some point in our lives. I know I have, and I know you have. And so uh, most of us have, and this is going to be an interesting question that's come in. And from uh, someplace, I don't even remember. Oh, it's here, local in Seminole. So um, we will get to that right away. So if you want to contact us, uh, we want to hear from you, 888. I'm sorry. 727-888-4171. And you can still text during this show. Here we go. Stay with us. Is it time to consider a new pool enclosure or beautiful screen room for your family's enjoyment? Family owned and operated, Boils Aluminum is the place to call for timely installation of all types of seamless guttering and screen enclosures. Boils Aluminum is A-rated on Angie's List and with the Better Business Bureau. Check out their website at BoilsAluminum.com or call today for a free estimate at 727-504-9354. Mention this ad for a discount on your project. Boils Aluminum, treating you like family with honest and reliable service. This is Megan, an independent ambassador for Plexus, the pink drink. There is finally a healthy solution to help you lose weight. It's a most natural product that will burn fat, not muscle. People around the country are experiencing amazing results, and you can too. Check out my independent ambassador website for my contact info, testimonials, and product information at mkramer, K-R-A-M-E-R, dot myplexus, P-L-E-X-U-S, products.com. Prompt professional service is what you will receive when you allow Marsha McAllister of Charles Rittenberg Realty to help find that perfect home or list your home for sale. With over 23 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, you will enjoy a smooth transaction from start to finish. Call Marsha today at 727-417-0707. Now is a great time to buy or sell a home. Call Marsha McAllister at 727-417-0707. This is the Tan Talk Radio Network. Make the 
bad guy's good for a weekend. So it's gonna be forever. Woo! Love that. Oh, Engineer Chris comes up with some great songs that go along with what we're talking about. This is Go Yard with Mama Mac and Dr. Angel. And today we are doing a very different show. We are taking questions that have come into us in the show. We've only been on the air about six months, and we have had tremendous response. And now that we are syndicated through Starcom Media Network, we're even getting more response. And so tonight's show, and maybe another one or so, maybe another time we'll do this again, we are answering specific questions that have come from real people. And these are not things we've made up. Let me tell you, these are real people. Here's the next one. Question number five, Dr. Angel, are you ready? Here I'm we ready. Go. All right. This is from Layla in Seminole, which is a town right here in our Bay Area. And here's what she says. My in-laws do not like me. And my husband won't stand up for me which is causing strain in our marriage. Do I let him off the hook, or do I demand that he stand up for me? Whew, this is a tough one. This is a huge one. And this is the one that I think a lot of people can relate with. Yes. Yeah, the infamous in-law question. Oh, I know. Golly. Most people have had them at one point in their life. <laughs> you know, and you find that there's extremes. Either people have really great in-laws oh, or... I know really conflicted relationships mm-hmm. with in-laws. And sure. so let, we need to look at this. This is a marriage relationship. And so a marriage relationship is the primary relationship. Okay. And so helping you. What have, do you mean by the primary? Would you explain that to our audience? You well, say the marriage relationship is the primary one. Well, the marriage is the primary between the husband and wife. And okay. so we have the husband and wife, and then we add kids into that primary relationship. But they take the step right under the husband and wife when it comes sure. to um, bonding with, you know, the relationship. So we look at in-laws are outside, both in-laws, you know, your siblings from your family of origins. These are outside people of our primary relationship. Okay. When we get married, we marry husband and wife or two people. And those are the two people that are in the circle of this marriage. Okay. Okay. And then they may add children and extend that circle, but this is the primary circle. So we come from our family of origin, and sometimes we try to keep that relationship as our primary relationship. In what way? Well, in the way that we let, like, our mother, you know, dictate things that we do within our marriage or when we come visit them or how we celebrate holidays could be a big one. Right. Or, um, talking negative about Here, the yeah, wife. yeah, talking negative about the wife. And so what happens is you be, almost become primary with your mother instead of with your wife. And before they got married, they were primary with their mother or they their were. dad. But things change when you make a commitment, move out of the house, hopefully, mm-hmm. and or on your own. And there you are in that relationship. And that's why you say that's your primary relationship. And that should be your primary priority, correct? Absolutely. And so when we talk about our family of origins, our siblings, those are outside relationships. And we're, what's happening is, is this husband is letting his mother intrude in his marriage. Right. Um with whatever it is that's making this wife know that she's not liked, maybe negative talking, maybe leaving her out of things, maybe just overstepping her. So the husband, and if it could be on the other end, it could be, could you be know, the other way doesn't around. matter. But in this case, it's the husband whose mother is intruding. So he's letting this intruder in his marriage, which is hurting this primary relationship. Oh, definitely. A lot of hurt there with, with this woman. You can tell there is. And anytime a primary relationship has inside, outside intruders coming in, it's going to cause damage so this is causing damage in this relationship and so she is asking should she let him off the hook or should he she demand she shouldn't do either okay because we aren't about controlling another person so we're not going to demand All right. something from somebody else and letting him off the hook is letting you it's okay to be hurt and for your primary relationship to have intruders and that's not okay either. and that's not okay and this is just can be just as intruding as if your husband cheated on you with another person that's an intrusion whoa and it's damaging to that's the relationship. a huge statement right there it is very much but guess what it's doing it's breaking the trust it's of this breaking down the relationship isn't it what does adultery do break the trust of the relationship right exactly so communication Right. Between the husband and wife is really important on this. And this can be very emotional because the wife has is hurt and has very deep hurt. And who knows how long this hurt has gone on. It could have been going on for a long time. 20 years. I don't know. And at the point, the more it's gone on, the the more hurts that are going to be there. And so setting time to sit down and talk with your husband or your wife or however this works for you in your world and letting them know 
giving evidence of behaviors that's happened. So uh, there you go. That's important. So you got to come up with specifics because a lot of times the the marriage partner who is still under the thumb of the mom and dad or whatever the case may be, um, or greatly influenced by that person really doesn't seem to see because this has been the way they've been living all their lives. Mama and daddy have always told him what to do, let's say. And he and he's listened or and he's let always them influence. It. And that's right. okay until you're married. And then it's not okay anymore. No. You have to protect that. So to protect that, we need to talk as husband and wife. And we need to bring in the wife or the person hurt needs to bring in the evidence of what's happened and how that's made her feel like she's not liked or wanted or whatever that conflict is going on. Right. And letting him know how you feel and then letting him know what you need from him. Whoa. Not demanding. I demand feel you. and need. Those are two different things. And those are very important. I like that. You're evidence. giving it. Oh, evidence feel, feel and then and what need. do you need? Okay. So maybe I need you when your mom is not to let your mom talk bad about me. Right. Maybe, you know, she's calling me a bad parent or downing my parenting. I need you to defend me. Okay. I need you to stand up for me. I need you to protect our family. What happens if, if that has been really shattered by events and the husband has not taken a stand and has instead caved in or just said nothing, which just allowed it to go on That's and go the on? passive allowing it. Uh, right. And it's still allowing it. So we, it could be extreme to where we need, you know, intervention from therapists. Absolutely. It gets yeah. that extreme. Yeah. It depends on where you're at in the level, but start trying to talk to your spouse. Give your spouse the opportunity to hear your heart. Come write it down because when you get this emotional, it just, it's hard to, to stay focused. Write down your evidence. Write down how you're feeling and write down what you need. Go into this conversation knowing what, what you need. That's Doesn't excellent. mean he's going to get it all together tomorrow and the next time is never going to happen. But maybe he can take one step and then two steps because he's got to learn to do it different now, right. too. He's got to see that she is the priority now, not not and mama's wishes. Exactly. And right. that this is intruding on our marriage. And if I want my marriage, I've got to learn to protect my wife. That's part of marriage is protecting each other. That's exactly right. Emotionally, physically. And so learning to communicate. And if you need outside intervention, it. Don't hesitate to get it because it can be very helpful in helping to change this behavior. But the biggest thing is communicating with your evidence, communicating how you're feeling, taking ownership. I'm feeling this way. Yeah. And then what I need from you. Here's what I need. And what if the the husband in this case, it's a husband, says, you know, I can't do that. I, you know, I just can't talk like that to my mom or maybe by his very silence he is saying i can't speak up to mom well there's going to be a that may need a little more professional intervention because it's going to destroy the relationship if something doesn't get better because the wife will take it and take it but it's going to create that distance and that wedge between this husband and wife until eventually there's nothing left in this relationship okay and if i can't trust you to defend me with your mom or this outside intruder how can i trust you to defend me anywhere and it just breaks the trust and Boy, crumbles it you know that makes this question here i think very very serious i mean this is a situation that a lot of people face with their in-laws well in this situation can become like the deal breaker in a marriage it, it can. Really can because yeah it destroys it from the inside out right it's it's just like letting you're letting an intruder you would not let a burglar just walk in your home and rob you blind you lock your doors right well, that's the same thing with our marriage. We need to lock the doors of our unit and not let intruders and burglars steal from us. Wow. That's huge. And that's but, very profound. And, and the husband may need to gain, you know, skills to confront his mom. Maybe there's some m- emotional manipulation and things he needs to, to work on for himself to get the strength. So he needs to learn to say no to mom or wait a minute, mom, that's. You know, we made this decision. This is how we're going to do this or whatever. But you cannot approach this in this dramatic and uh, very emotional. You have to to know what you how you want to go into this or else okay. it gets lost in the drama and the emotion. And the points may be very valid. But if you're presenting it very hysterical or overly emotional, it's yeah. not going to be. It's not going to. It's not going to be heard. Okay, that was a great question and a great answer. And uh, question number six. How do I balance work 
with spending time with my spouse. Boy, a lot of us can relate to that. I really love my job, and it takes a lot of time and energy to do it. But I also love my wife, and I do not want to lose my marriage. This comes from Victor out in Brandon. Hope Victor's listening tonight because this is a great question. Learning to balance marriage and job. And that can be a very difficult task. Yes. Um, even if there's no kids involved, if there's kids involved, it can be tough because, you know, a lot of times now in our culture, a lot of people are working very diligently towards these careers. They're spending right. 10 years in college to prepare for their careers. And so they're very meaningful for people a lot of times. Sure. But they can be very time consuming. Right. And so what Victor's wanting is the best of both worlds. Okay. He wants this great marriage and he wants this great career, whatever that is. And so what I'm going to tell Victor is let's not focus on the quantity that we can provide our wife of time. Let's focus on the quality of time. Oh, that's a great answer. Quantity meaning uh, you can't divvy up your day. You have only so many waking hours, right? So you can't say, okay, I'm going to just work six hours and then I'll spend six hours with my wife. It doesn't work like that. No. So if I'm spending a Saturday with my wife, but I've taken 26 work calls and read 35 emails I didn't give her much of my time that day, did I? Right. But if I can carve out two and a half, three hours and not have any work interference, I'm giving her a quality time. That's that's going to nurture her, feed her, let her know she is important and valued. If I'm always taking my work calls, I'm telling her she's not valued. Wow. And body language, I think, is really good. If you go to lunch or whatever, you're looking the person in the eye. You're not looking at your phone. We talked about that last week. We did. On our show on Technologically Unconnected about what we see in restaurants all the time, you know? True. And so technology is great because it allows us to multitask and we can work from anywhere, but it's not great in that it can take the quality of our relationships. That's right. Victor needs to learn and anybody in the situation to set boundaries. And so I might have to work long hours, but if I can give my, you know, intimate person quality time, putting the phone down, not letting work interfere with my quality time with my wife, then what you have will be good. Exactly. Yes. And we'll keep nurturing that relationship. Absolutely. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. All right. Let's go to question number seven. What do you do when you're at a crossroads with a major life decision and you do not know what to do? This comes from a lady locally here in Clearwater, Sandra. That is her question. Now, we have no clue here what she's talking about. So I'm going to read that again. Okay. What do you do when you're at a crossroads with a major life decision and you don't know what to do? In other words, how do you make a decision that's very, very important in your life? Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad this one is a little more general. Okay. Because I think it can relate to a lot of people because I yes. think we've all been in the place where we've had big decisions to make and we struggle. Right. And so one of the things I love to do is the positive and negative checklist, you know, taking the piece of paper and writing all the positives to the choice, all the negatives to the choice, right? maybe even the alternative choices that can be made. Like pros and cons. Pros and cons. Okay. Put it down on a piece of paper. Sometimes that can be very helpful. And okay. Looking at that and examining it. What if a person can talk both sides of the deal? Here's the deal. Um, I like to use this technique when I have clients, but you don't have to be in therapy to use this for a decision. It's called the dual chair. Dual chair. So what you do is you take two chairs and you place them where they're facing each other. Okay. And you're going to sit in one chair and you're going to argue the whole pro, all the good, all the positives to the one choice. Okay. And then you're going to physically move to the other chair and you're going to argue all <laughs> like the cons. That. Okay, I like that. And you move back and forth to the pro con, pro chair and the con <laughs> chair and you're you're dualizing this decision because you will feel the emotion evoke where it's stronger. You'll feel in that decision sometimes it just clicks. This is a decision I need to make. As you talk out loud. As you talk out loud. And it doesn't have to be in front of a therapist. You can do this to yourself. You Absolutely. Just set two chairs up. And I think you'll begin to notice how long you stay in one chair versus another. Absolutely. Okay. And so that it's kind of a dual chairs, dual chairs. It's kind of interesting and you might not want people to be around, but it can be very helpful (laughs) in making these tough decisions that really are tearing you up inside because there could be almost equally, you know, on balanced on the cons and pros, but there's something that might evoke that emotion stronger. That might tip it a certain way. When we do it on paper, it's not as emotional. When we get verbal, 
it becomes emotional. It is. I agree with that. And and one thing I've done through the years, and this is a spiritual component, but go by what I feel peace about, that I feel settled about. You know, okay, if I make this decision, how does that feel? And I'll try it on, almost like a pair of shoes, you know. Try it on. You know, when you buy a pair of shoes, you walk around. I just bought a pair the other day, and I walked around, you know, in the shoe store. And I, how does this feel, you know? How does this look in the mirror, you know? So how am I going to feel about myself if I make it this decision this way? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think it's a good way. I think doing the writing is good because it helps you to, to think about this logically. It, writing kind of uses our logical part of our brain. Right. And the verbal uses that emotional part of our brain. And so I like that. It may help you make that decision. Yeah. So and try then, it on. See where your piece is in it. You and know? if you're still stuck, you can consult with people that you really trust. Right. Dual chairs. Hmm. <laughs> All right. That's very good. Question number eight, doctor. We are making some progress on these. All right. This person says, I have been in a relationship for a while. It's starting to get stale. Interesting word that he uses. What would be some good ways to perk it up? And this is Bill from Alabama. This is a very good question because most people are are or have been in some kind of love relationship connection. That's what I think Bill's talking about here. Is that correct? It sounds that way. Yes. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't sound like it's his mother. No. <laughs> this is this is a love relationship. So, yeah. And a lot of times relationships like that last for decades. So what do people do when they're in a relationship for 60 years? Well, first of all, I think we have to understand that relationships have, there's relationships life cycles. And they have their ups and their downs and their plateaus. Life cycles, okay. And then, you know, so you have the really, you know, in the beginning it usually starts really up when you have the butterflies in your stomach and you, you anticipate the person <laughs> and you can't wait for them to come. And then it kind of drops down and then it might just plateau. And I think stale is kind of, I'm envisioning, it's at a plateau. At a plateau. It's not getting better, it's not getting worse, and it's just feeling same old, same old. Okay. So what I'm going to suggest is do it different. Right. Um, if things are feeling like it's the same all the time, predictable, predictable, change it up, change your schedule, change what restaurants you go to. Right. You know, if you always eat at, you know, the Olive Garden on Friday night, well, maybe try a little local place. Uh, look in, look online. A lot of go out um, to the beach. Well, that we can do that, but not everybody across the world can, but. But a lot of local towns have little local events that mm-hmm. go do an event that you might not normally do or watch a movie you might not normally watch or just do it different. Change it up because okay. it'll start sparking those feelings that will kind of liven the relationship when you're doing something different together. It's a new experience. So you're okay. bonding at a new level now. And so it starts to spark relationships up. What about activities instead of just sitting home? Because I think that happens to a lot of relationships through the years, 20, 30 years, and they they end up just getting into that. You just said it. They get, they're in a rut. But but not just restaurants, but I mean, doing something totally different and be the one that comes up with the idea, you know, in the relationship. And go ahead. Well, you know, relationships take work. Okay. And, you know, get creative. And the spontaneity is great because yeah. that sparks, you know, it's great to be have things planned and to know what's going on. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, romantic sparks, we need some spontaneity. Right. You know, and we can't always do it the same way and expect that it's always going to make us feel excited. It might right. have in the beginning, but now we're used to it. And it's kind of we've learned that tolerance toward this. You know, we talk about that with drugs and alcohol. You get right. that tolerance. Yes. Well, that happens in relationships, too. Wow. You get okay. this tolerance for what you're doing. And it's not exciting anymore. And it almost becomes boring. Boring. And so... Put some effort into this. Look at what's going on in your area. Look at what are some new... Get on Groupon and Living Social because they have some really unusual stuff and good prices to do it, and you can have new experiences. Go kayaking. Go kayaking. (laughs) Go skydiving. I don't know, but the thing is, is the experiences are what kind of helps spark. Go to... Try... Get away from chain restaurants. Go to local restaurants. Just do things different. That is great. And that is great. If you do it different, it'll spark different emotions in you, and it'll kind of help spark things up a little bit. Right. 
and give you that. And what about just little things like cards or uh, it, for no occasion whatsoever, roses? I mean, you know, it's predictable when it's your anniversary or it's the the birthday or whatever. But, you know, the spontaneity, I, I like that, that you said that. But also just trying to catch that person off guard is kind of fun, don't you think? Absolutely. And it's okay <laughs> to do things like that. And so... Get cre- that's where creativity comes in. Okay. You know, just doing things creative. And those are nice things to do for the person because it makes them feel loved. Right. Um, I think uh, a few years ago there was a book that came out, The Love Dare, and it had like different things you could do every day to kind of add to your marriage or oh, add yeah. to your relationship. That's right. I remember that. And, but one of the things I'm going to also tell is that we need to do experiences together because you can, I can leave you cards and I can leave you flowers and I can do nice things for you. But if we're bonding together, we're right. creating a spark together. And too. a memory. You're creating a memory. a memory. Remember that time we did this or went to that place or saw that sunset or whatever. You know, and, and it, you can do it on a budget. There's a lot of free things oh, you can do. Yeah. Go grab your lunch and take it to the local park and sit outside and eat together. Or go, you know, there's so many things you can do it doesn't have to cost a lot of money um you can do gifts to each other can be experiences for like birthdays or valentine's day or holidays and you can give yourself experiences together which will help that's relationship that's really good so relationship building that's what we're talking about here with uh, question number eight that came from bill from alabama thank you bill if you're listening we're glad you sent it in and we're so glad all these people are have sent these in and there's so many more we're just tackling like 10 tonight yes but well, there's tons more and we want to hear from you and you can do that by texting us or emailing us if you text us that number is 727 888-4171. If you email us, it's goyard2014 uh, at gmail.com. There you go. Um, all right. So let's work on these relationships and be creative. Question number nine for Dr. Angel. Here we come. How do you avoid bringing... Oh, boy. This is a tough one. Wow. This comes from Z Girl in Largo. And it's not my dog, Zoe Grace, either. <laughs> She did not send this in. This comes from Z Girl. How do you avoid bringing old relationship baggage into new relationships? It seems that I'm always struggling in my relationships because I carry the baggage and hurts of old relationships. Excellent question. Very intense. Could be a whole show. Could be. Well, one of the mistakes a lot of people make is that they go relationship hopping they go from one relationship to the next relationship and they don't have time like quick quick that's rebound rebound what's the problems with rebounds well rebound is just exactly what this question is that we're bringing the baggage we're bringing the hurts we're bringing the things that went wrong and we're going to project that normally into our new relationship at some level right so if our old person we were with cheated on us we're going to start getting paranoid and maybe accusing the new person and it's going to self-destruct the relationship right so first of all when you have a breakup you need to take time take time for you take time to self-reflect that relationship what was good what went wrong how did I contribute to the good? Mm-hmm. How did I contribute to what went wrong? Right. I mean, even if you are in a severely abusive relationship, we still make a contribution in the fact that That's it right. said something. We were attracted to it. There was something in there that we wanted. Gone Girl. Remember that movie and that book? You and I had talked about that when you were reading the book and then the movie came out. And if you haven't seen that audience, you should. It is amazing. It really talks about that very thing, how people feed each other and get something from it. What I don't know what, how, what you would say that is they get from it, but they get some some need met. Absolutely. From so- the crazy. The previous relationship at some level met some need or there was something you were attracted to. So if it wasn't what you wanted or what happened, you need to reflect and how can I do this different? And sometimes you need to get counseling or learn to uh, process this because if you don't, you're going to probably find the same thing. It'll just have a different name and a different face. Right. It will have a lot of the same attributes to it. Right. It will. Oh, we're winding down. All right. Let's go to number 10 real quick. All right. Let's go. Do you think you answered that? 
I think we got a good start. All right, let's get number 10 in here. This is from Dina in Sarasota. My husband doesn't like to socialize with friends. I love being around people. When I have parties with couples who are friends and they come over, he starts to shut down and retreats to our bedroom. How can we compromise both of our wants and our needs? This is a great question. And it happens frequently. Boy, it's intense. Yeah. You know, opposites attract. So we have the social butterfly and we have one that might be more introverted. And it's okay to be different. Yeah, it so is. So let's celebrate the differences. Um, maybe you need to have smaller get-togethers. Maybe okay. instead of having two or three couples come over, you have one couple come over. Or maybe they don't come to your house. Maybe you go to a restaurant so it's not as intrusive. Mm. Maybe shorter periods of time because maybe it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Maybe the other person doesn't have the social, the developed social skills and it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you need to recognize that and, and sympathize that for that person. And But that doesn't mean that you should never have get-togethers either, that we have to always do it that one person's way. So maybe spread time out, plan your intimate time with your spouse and then plan small get togethers with friends and, and small spurts until, you know, he feels more comfortable and you, he works it up. And so then, just work at it, but take it slow in a way. Take it slow. Yeah. And bring it down a little bit. Yeah. So don't rush. That was question number 10. And uh, we could have gone through a whole lot more, but those are great. And I think we have really answered a lot of questions tonight, doctor. And hopefully we will have more and more people uh, calling in and texting and writing in and with their questions because you're the pro and you got the answers right there. And I think you did a great job right off the top of your head. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That was excellent. We, we want you to go back and listen to our shows because there's some great things that have happened here in the last few months on Go Yard. We're excited about it. We're getting great feedback from our audience. And so just go to GoYard2014.org. That's our website. Every show up through February is there. Easy. Click on it. Listen to it. And tell other people about it. Tell them about listening on live to this show tantalk1340.com on wednesday or thursday nights at six o'clock okay that's where we are thursday night right uh final word doctor we're just about out of time boy this show flew by well i just want to encourage our listeners to go ahead and email your questions because it's great i love the interaction and i would love to give a special thank you to allison who has helped me to redesign my wardrobe and update my look and i'm getting lots of compliments so thank you so much dr Angel looks pretty darn cool in here in the uh, studio, guys. She really does. Some of you can see her on the webcam if you're live. And uh, anyway, thanks, Allison, for helping her with all of that. And thank you, all of these people, these 10 that have written in and all the others that we have sitting on the desk ready to answer your questions soon. And we will do that. So we want you to get a hold of us. We want to hear from you. 727-888-4171 anytime. Goyard2014 at gmail.com anytime. All right. Have a great week. Dr. Angel, any parting words? Have a great week and go yard. Go yard. Communicate with each other. And we'll see you next week at this time. This has been Mama Mac and Dr. Angel. What a team. How about that? Good night.